vaccine i'm steve and uh happy fourth of july weekend and you know we, we decided we're gonna do something really special really patriotic for you today so i brought the two most patriotic men i know on the show uh first off straight from ireland jack eason so it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you steve celebrating the uh the birthday of this great nation listen man you are like you're what every white guy in america wants to be Right. Like there's Irish, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all want to be Irish. Yeah. That's all much. they do. <laughs> they, they And they go up to Jack and they say, hey, just so you know, I'm 132nd Irish. And Jack goes, wow, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. <laughs> That's thank it. you for your service. <laughs> Every day. It's it's beautiful, yeah. beautiful bonding moment. But not only yeah. am I Irish, Steve, also remember that I am I am verified American by the by the U.S. federal government tested proven uh authenticated um honestly just superior breed of american to natural born americans yeah you kind of had to work for it uh whereas i just you know my parents just had sex this begs the uh, question why <laughs> did my parents have sex or why did he become an american citizen well i mean both are valid i suppose but i was i was yeah. more referencing jack's efforts towards <laughs> on, the, on this one until we get Steve's parents in on the podcast, I guess I should field my part of it. Well, you know, it just seemed like a good idea at the time, you know? Who doesn't love giving money to the federal government? It's so well spent. Well, they give so much back to us here in America. That's exactly it. And it's an honor and a privilege. And also, I figured if I was living here, I should at least be able to vote for nobody. Actually, no, it was a stupid idea. But anyway, no, it's all good. It's been it's been great. My first election was uh, Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. It's a marvelous, marvelous that I could express my views in that election. <laughs> oh, truly peak democracy. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what what a, what a ride it must have been for you. And I'm sure you, you feel so much pride. You're just you're just beaming every time you walk out. You just you just salute bald eagles. You fucking wave at all the flags you see. It's it's got to be a great experience for you. Oh, it's wonderful. It's it's amazing. And like I, said, I paid in, so I'm gonna get my values worth. Yeah. So, Myros, if uh, if if Jack is like what every American male wants to be, what does that make you? Uh, I probably the exact opposite. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not what I was going for, but I'll take it. I'll take wow. it. Well, I, you know. I see you as the everyman, Myros. I I do not really see myself as the everyman. <laughs> I must say, this country wouldn't be doing so well if I were the everyman. Hey, hey Myros, have you seen how this country is doing? <laughs> Maybe I am uh, closer to the everyman than I'd like to admit, and, and that might be the problem with, with America as a whole. Listen, listen, let me tell you why Adam Myros is the everyman. And we're gonna we're gonna go back to uh, St. Patrick's Day, which is not Fourth of July, but you could call it the Fourth of July of Jack's people, maybe. Yeah, uh, even though that's a totally different thing. But just go with me here. <laughs> As an American, it's my job to be wrong, but like confidently wrong. Uh, once upon a time on St. Patrick's Day, Adam Myros, who had to work later that afternoon, got rip roaring drunk at like eight in the morning, and then we tried to walk to the bar across the street. 
Adamiro's fashion icon decided to wear an undershirt, pajama pants with fortune cookies on them, and he was carrying uh, an empty two liter Diet Coke, which he had filled with water. And he just walked into the bar. And no shoes. I can't. Beautiful no moment. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. All this great ensemble and no shoes. And wouldn't you know, we got kicked out before we even got in the door. And that is why Adam Myros is the everyman. Is there anything more relatable than getting kicked out of a bar for wearing no shoes in your pajamas? I don't think there is. So there it's you go. A, I don't know why they would turn down money. Like that's a paying customer showing up looking for look to avail of their services. Well, it is. It's all about the uh, the appearance of that bar. A, it's an Irish bar, so they were doing like uh, an unbelievable amount of business. Ed could afford to turn away uh, rap scallions like us uh, because, uh, yeah, it was it was booming. It booms on uh, St. Patrick's Day, and also it was a high end bar. Which was inexplicably yeah. in the middle of the dump ass student ghetto uh, directly across from our house. But uh. <laughs> I am always confused by the high end Irish bar. They're very strange. Irish bars here are far too well lit and too much, too much like well polished wood. They just look like they've been taken care of, and that's inauthentic, so far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, and I don't think you guys, like, you, you don't charge, like, $19 for a, a corned beef sandwich to taste like shit either, so. <laughs> and they didn't uh, even have French Irish fries, for move. God's sakes. All they had was, like, carrot sticks with your goddamn sandwich. Oh, I'm like, yeah. what, what am I going to eat bullshit. a fucking corned beef, a Reuben with the carrot sticks? Go to hell. Yeah, fuck that place. I don't even remember what it's called. Oh, somethings. Oh, oh Charlie's. Oh, Duffy's. Oh, is it Oh, Duffy's? Yeah, fuck Oh, Duffy's, man. I don't know if that's accurate, but uh, we'll go with it. All right. Well, enough about the Irish. Um, you know, <laughs> I just keep thinking about how, I, I don't know, I want Toby Keith to write another song. Uh, so that's that's the other point before we actually talk about the movies is like, I was I was listening because he's written, he wrote the after the 9-11, the we're, we're going to stick a boot up Osama bin Laden's ass song, yeah. which is an all timer. And then I found out he, he wrote more too. Like he wrote like a, a comedy country song that uh, he performed for the troops uh, over in Afghanistan. And it was called like, my wife's in the Taliban or something like that. <laughs> it's a real knee slapper. So I, I just want him, I, he needs to write the, the ballad of Adam Myros, the, the true American hero. Um, so maybe one day we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Was Lee Greenwood still alive? <laughs> <laughs> Lee Greenwood. <laughs> I, I prefer Lee Greenwood myself. Yeah. What about what about Dennis Madalone? You ever heard the, the Dennis Madalone song? Yeah, I think it's just called like maybe it's just called America, but it's Dennis Madalone is I think he's like a stuntman or something, and he got fucked up, so he decided <laughs> to become a musician, and he he made a song called America, and it's like six and a half minutes long, and like the ocean washes over him, and it looks like a flag, and like all the first responders are there, and it's real great shit. Uh, that that could be our outro music. You play a little bit of that Dennis in the outro. Everybody's be crying. Uh, but yeah, we actually this is a movie podcast. Uh, <laughs> we watched a couple, and you know we sometimes we we do holiday specials and we look at the spirit of the holiday. And other times uh, we're just lazy sacks of shit. We do things very literally, and that's what we did. So uh, the theme is is USA today. And it's, it's also about educating Jack, because he may have passed a test, but there's a few things they don't teach you in America school, Jack. 
So, uh, you know, hopefully you'll you'll get a few things from this. But anyways, we watched a movie from 1989, which is shocking to me because um, it looks like it was made at least a decade earlier. And that movie's called Danger USA. And I chose it because uh, it was like a, a double feature disc that I got from, I think from Massacre Video. that had a David DeCoteau, uh movie and then this movie on there. And I was like, yeah, let's fucking watch that. And I didn't know what I was getting into. And I still don't know what I got into. Uh, Jack, can you please tell me what the fuck is Danger USA? I absolutely cannot tell you that. Um, it's kind of hoping you wouldn't go to me because uh, I feel throughout this entire movie, I had a very tenuous grasp on why anything was happening. Uh, and as I look back now, uh, I just there's just snippets, just, just glimpses of details. Um, there's a dream machine. Uh, which <laughs> does something. It, it, there's it, Dan uh, Haggerty, man. You get a little Dan Haggerty in there. Dan, Dan Haggerty, Lyle Wagoner. Um, I don't even know why Lyle Wagoner is in the film, if I'm being 100% honest, like why his character is even there. Um, there's Russians. They want they want the dream machine. The dream machine offers you the ability, I get to relive your dreams holographically or something. I'm not 100% sure on what it's for. Uh, there's political intrigue. Um, tangentially, it's not really, I don't really know what the intrigue element was, but there is, and it's there. There's action, there's gunshots, mm. there's sex, there's, um, there's a little bit of everything in a film. Titty farts. Titties. There's ADR. <laughs> is, there, is there ever ADR? There's a lot of, a lot of dubbing, going, a, lot of, a lot of flubbed takes uh, are in this film and corrected later. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know beyond that. Uh, it's also, uh, the movie goes by the name Mind Trap. And I feel like uh -huh. that's not quite accurate because I feel if anything, my mind was roaming too free throughout the entire film, <laughs> wondering what was going on. But it is my definitely a motion picture. <laughs> I was, I, I, my mind was released and I floated to a, a higher level of consciousness. Um, <laughs> I don't, okay, so I'm trying to break this down and just... I don't know the how of Danger USA, and we will never know the how of this movie. Um, the closest thing I can approximate this to is it's got a little bit of Godfrey Ho going on. Uh, Godfrey Ho, if you're not familiar, famously, um, he would take snippets of unfinished movies or clips from movies that he had already released, and he would basically chop up two, three, four, five, ten different movies and then make new movies out of movies he already made. Um, and it's, it's fun and weird and fucked up and, uh, hilarious because I, he made a lot of money. And now, you know, Godfrey Ho, you know what he does? He teaches film. Godfrey fucking Ho is a film, pr like, professor, which is insane to me. Uh, but the man knew how to get the, the most money out of a, a movie. And I guess Danger USA has that feel to it because everything feels a little bit disjointed in the sense that... I don't know if everyone knows they're in the same movie. It, it feels like everybody's in kind of a different movie. Um, you have the aforementioned political intrigue where they're trying or this like Russian terrorist lady and her her Russian boys are trying to steal a, a, a mind machine that lets you like live in your dreams or something. I don't know what what the fuck wartime application decision machine <laughs> video yeah i don't yeah i don't i don't understand the wartime applications either it seems like i mean by the end when we find out what it does you're like oh that's nice 
Like that's all it does. You get to go live in your dreams. You can hang out in a field. I'm, I'm also confused because the, this machine was built by a scientist, but then it was hidden in an army, like in a navy base, and it was hidden under yeah. a locker. But they, they, I think at some point they say they rebuilt the navy base and they forgot about this thing, so he was able to hide it. Wait, this is not on a navy base. It's on a. It's in a storage locker. Oh, it's a storage locker. Okay, so yeah. oh, maybe I missed it. This where this is where things get confusing because it starts in a navy base. Yes, they're definitely yeah. in one of those. I didn't realize they'd switched locations. Well, and also, it starts in a navy base. Well, they tell us it's a navy base, but it looks like I don't even know some weird ass office building or like an abandoned middle school. It does not look like a fucking anything base. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a chore just to try and keep together what's what's going on here. So they you've got that going on. And then also because, you know, it's it's a little bit kill bill and it's a it's a little bit eight and a half because you got a you got a movie going on within the movie because our main character who takes revenge on these people that harmed her family, uh, she's an actress by trade. And so we get these scenes where like I, I can't tell if if she's actually killing people for a movie. That seems to be what the implication is because the third part of this cinematic onion, the, the next layer is there's a guy who's a movie director, but he's kind of like Steve Bannon. He's like a, a media mogul conservative goblin man. And he's trying to like make a commercial for this, this politician who's going to kill all the communists and then there's people actually die, but he doesn't care because he's Steve Bannon. I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I, that, that's like played for comedy where they're using live ammunition in the auditions well, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, how do you are? I'm like, OK, what is this? Is, this is the part that's great, though, because it does have it, it's it's not a comedy movie explicitly, but it has parts that are played for laughs there's clear jokes in danger usa yeah none of those jokes hit all of the funny things are the things that are the serious things like no one's like playing up the cheesiness of this movie for laughs they just they actually throw in jokes that they think are smart and funny and they're not but they're not in a way that makes them kind of weird and uncomfortable so they kind of get funny again I don't know. It's really fucking weird. See, I I feel like this got this had to be a hatchet job. Like there, this could not have been the director's vision. Maybe not even remotely. Like this might have been an entirely fucking different thing he thought he was shooting. Like because it ends like some sort of odd like art film, and yeah. there's a lot of strange like experimental cinematography in this. And it, it doesn't drive at all with the rest of the fucking movie, which is just a rote, like, action thing. I, so I, I don't know. And and then factor in all the, like, post-production ADR, and you're like, did they just decide, like, whoever was releasing this just decide to fucking ruin this movie and, like, that's record I, over that's everything? That's the kind of impression that I get. <laughs> There could be that. It does feel like, I mean, we, you mentioned, Steve, the lead actress in this, the lead character uh, is is an actress by trade in the movie. And so there's like these sequences that seem to be one thing and then there's something else and it's like she's actually shooting a movie. And it just feels like that was just made up so they could integrate scenes that had absolutely no connection whatsoever to the main narrative. Um, mm -hmm. 
so yeah it it absolutely it feels like and i don't i don't see any evidence of this but it feels like someone stitched movies together but i don't think that's what happened i think they just reassembled a movie and just yeah changed out the dialogue where necessary to kind of create a new narrative but it does it doesn't really make sense i i was lost for large yeah. chunks of this movie there's no synergy here between like what you're seeing on screen what's being said uh, the ADR that's overlaid, the editing, like everything is disjointed in a way that it, I have rarely seen in my life. This is uh, this is special in that regard, because uh, again, outside of Godfrey Ho, but even with Godfrey Ho, at least his audio was semi consistent occasionally, uh, at least between the movies that he used. <laughs> and he had like I, I don't, he used the same three or four people, I feel like, for all of his dubbing. So you you kind of got the feeling that things were together here. You can watch people. Like the ADR is so bad. The only thing I can think of that's the only thing that I can think of that's worse is uh, the the Canadian uh, exploitation horror movie Things, uh, which is great, by the way. Uh, (laughs) But it's it also has just trash ADR and you have it here, too. But at least with Things, when they went and they redubbed everything, they were trying to say the words that the characters on screen were saying. Whereas Danger USA, their lips are moving and clearly saying something totally different from the sounds that we are hearing in our ears. And it's fucking weird. And it's not leveled either. It's fucking like all over time. I've never heard a worse sound mix all in my goddamn the life. Like the, the no. channels. Someone's keep just cranking the knobs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It, and, and so what you get to is it's not just the 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 dialogue that's all fucked up and weird or the levels that are all fucked up and weird the guy who is doing this sound mix he's also throwing in some wacky sound effects and some foley work um often inappropriately so like this scene for instance where our characters are at a a rock and roll club i don't know why they're there just go with it and there's there's a band playing and then there's a lot of like gratuitous sex inserts in this movie because, you know, you got to do what you got to do. This is this is one of the great lessons you can learn from Danger USA is sometimes you got to put the titties in the movie. And so this guy is like making out with this woman in, in the bathroom of the club while the band is playing and they're, you know, going at it and having sex. And at one point he puts his face like he's like kissing her down her like neck and chest. He puts her, his face on her breast. And we hear a fart noise. <laughs> a fucking fart noise. So you get this. Did you catch that? Subtle. It's this, there's layers. You have this, this band playing, and then you just get the just, just <laughs> in the back. And you're like, what? Was that a fucking fart noise? And then you rewind it and you go, yeah, that was a fucking fart noise. Yeah, that's the noise you really want to add eroticism, especially when it's taking place in like a nightclub men's restroom. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's really great. And then, uh, oh God, who is it? Oh yeah, Lyle Wagner comes in after that, doesn't he? Or not no, Lyle Wagner, it's, it's Dan, uh, Haggerty? Dan Haggerty. Dan Haggerty. <laughs> With his sacred yeah, triangle. Dan Haggerty busts in. Yeah, he's like, oh, time to do the sacred triangle. <laughs> a booby fart lady. Great. <laughs> Love that. It's a damn shame they, they obviously couldn't afford Dan Haggerty for more than like fucking two hours of filming because he's by far the best thing in the movie. <laughs> he oh, is he's amazing. the ray of professionalism in this one. <laughs> well, and then the moment he goes in uh, for his little, uh, you know, menage a trois, it, then he's out of the movie. 
He just he just threesomed himself out of the film. After it's it's really sad stuff. Yeah, he and Lyle Wagner, I think, like have a brief like phone call later in the film, like where they both uh, separately call the protagonist uh, for like literally <laughs> ten seconds. But yeah, you know. classic classic film scene of just phone calls with just single shots inserted yeah. so no one's in the same yeah. room yeah it's true like and dan Hagerty is he plays a director who works with the main character um and he is i guess posited as like the connection for how she gets a role with rotka who's the political guy who makes the, the really you know sensationalist political ads that are tearing america apart there's no, I otherwise have no idea how he fits into the story, but he's in a fair amount of the early stages of the film. We sound like, like lunatics no, talking about this, by the way. Nothing like, connects just, here. It is literally no, no. just... <laughs> Everything is time, all over the fucking place. Yeah, any given time, the camera leaves a scene, and it's just like, you honestly may as well have just popped the disc out of your machine and put it in a new movie. Like, just yeah, same effect. And and it's it has this weird effect on, on you, too, when you're watching it, because... At, at no point do you know like who's important. Eventually, <laughs> you find out like okay, the the girl with the like the the brown hair, she's clearly the protagonist, the person we're supposed to be. Okay, yeah, sure, we got that. But everyone else in the film, you're like, I don't know if this is like a bit part or if they're the main villain or what's happening. And then the ADR nonsense. I do like this guy. I don't think he gets is enough screen time personally. But um, the there's a Russian woman. Thick, fake Russian accent. You can't understand a damn thing she's saying. Uh, and then she's got uh, like a, a, a blonde, non-Russian accent henchman. And uh, he says stuff like this. You and your pussy are going to pay for that one. <laughs> <laughs> fucking which is, mojo. Which is really great. Yeah. Yeah. He's always talking about how he has like a fucking like 18-wheeler penis. <laughs> Things of that nature. Yeah. Common expressions. Yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah there's uh, i just i just love this line though just like so maros you're you're on a date with a woman and she says so are you gonna pay for dinner and you say you and your pussy are gonna pay for that one <laughs> it's just such a weird fucking line and then what about the it, other it leads in, oh god that guy the, the, weird giggly yeah, he, donkey man yeah, Giggly Donkey Man, who and his his donkey giggles were added in later. So, whenever Giggly Donkey Man's in a scene, he's ten times louder than anyone else, and all you get is the Donkey Man. And most of his scenes involve like the sexual assault of a woman. Yeah, who that's decides to his like thing. always turn it around and like try and be saucy to throw off her her attackers, which it works really well for. Her. And then, then Donkey Man is there going, and it's just, ah, it's something. She's quite good at fending off uh, sexual assaults. She, um, and like you said, what her thing is, she just, she just talks to the guys and, and confuses them. So at one point early on after that, that pussy uh, clip that I played for you guys, um, he, the, the guy, the Mr. Mojo, the 18 wheeler cock man, he jumps on top of her sister and then, 
she starts like spitting facts at him. She's like, did you know that only 18% of sexual assaults are successful because the man cannot remain erect? Like she's just like reading a list of facts, basically. <laughs> it's a really and then weird he's like, scene. Oh. <laughs> it's really weird and it goes on too long. It does, but what's also weird is that it's maybe lifted from Flesh and Blood, the Paul Verhoeven film, which came out like three years, four years prior to this. Uh, they have an exact same scene where Rutger Hauer tries to rape Jennifer Jason Lee's character and she basically starts pretending to be really into it and freaks him out. And it's like a really, it's a really funny scene. I'm just like, I don't know if he saw that and he's doing, I'll, I can do that. And yeah, he can't. Uh, he, he did he, he something. <laughs> he did it twice. He does it twice because he does it again. And, and this is, this is again, like how weird this movie fucking gets. The way it wraps up is... They, they go to the storage facility where the mind control device is. Uh, if it was a mind control device, that might make <laughs> sense. No, no, the mind control, it's the dream it's, machine. It's a mind trap. It's a dream machine. It's the goddamn dream machine. They go to the dream machine warehouse and they decide that they're going to like tie down our, our hero lady and like put a piece of C4 on her and like blow her ass up, which, okay, fine. Why are you blowing her up in the in the dream machine building? We don't know, but fine. And then the way that she gets out is her husband turns out to be one of the henchmen because well, they're not married. I, I, not married. Boyfriend. Yeah, boyfriend. I'm sorry. He's catatonic for most of the film in separate <laughs> scenes, but that was yeah. fake. A ruse. A ruse, and they've been together for a year. And he never loved her. It was all part of this ruse to get the dream machine. <laughs> and then she's like, don't you want one more quickie before we explode? And the timer's like 90 seconds. He's like, yeah, I can get it in. <laughs> and then it gets down and you think like, oh, he's going to like loosen her ropes. No, no, no. And then you think it's going to get down to the end. They're both going to blow up. No, no. She like rolls him over and then the bomb only blows him up, I guess. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like a really uh, localized explosion. Yeah, it's it's all very strange. And then and then, of course, she gets to the dream machine after that. And uh, there's a very tasteful, artsy, like 30 seconds of movie uh, where she reunites with her dead parents. And then it ends. <laughs> and then disappears. So that's Danger USA. <laughs> she disappears. She uh, She's absorbed. She disappears. Into the dream yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So. Somehow, I feel like this director, uh, Amos Demetrios, I don't know who this guy is, but he, it seems like he had this idea for a movie about a machine that like brings you into your dreams or whatever. And then somehow by the time the movie got made, this is that, that little sequence at the end was all he had left. I, I feel like probably like the, the fake the scenes where she's in the movies, I feel like those are part of his original vision too. There's like a very distinct line in style between the stuff that is like in service to his original vision and the stuff that's like workmanship, like, oh, well, I guess we need to fucking slop this in to sell it to the idiot masses, you know? Well, yeah. here's what we're, you need to know, Steve, about Eames Demetrios, uh, taken from his IMDb biography, uh, that a compelling interest in images and their effect on one's imagination <laughs> led Eames Demetrios to see more than 500 movies in his senior year of high school. So 
in one year of school, he watched a lot of movies, and that's why he's a uh-huh. filmmaker. I don't know if he watched any after that or before, but his senior year in high school, he watched a lot of movies. Does does he um does he have a Letterbox account? Why oh, is he Demetrios's fucking IMDb bio like a novel length? Because <laughs> he wrote it. He, he was nominated at the Chicago <laughs> International Film Festival in 1987, just prior to this, a couple of years prior, uh, for a short film that's a portrait of Aristides Demetrios. So um, maybe he still should have stuck to documentary. That that sounds like you know a family affair. I guess uh, Danger USA is also a family affair, but it's mostly about your family all getting murdered and you have to use a, a mythical machine to recapture them again. <laughs> so, uh, you know... Which is, isn't that cinema when you strain really mm-hmm. hard and pretend that's what cinema is? So it's a pretty deep yeah. film, theoretically. Uh, no, I, I agree, I think, with Adam that this is, um, it feels like some significant changes were made. And definitely the her acting sequences and the fact that she appears in different scenarios, normally in action scenes, surely must have been the dream machine yeah. portion of it. It was supposed to be yeah. something else and they just kind of reworked it and it literally, it's just a bunch of people in, like you mentioned about the set dressing, like it's literally just, like it's an army base so they just stick an American flag on the back of a wall and it's just some sofas or, or you know, office furniture. There's just, one thing is like the most convincing set is a living room that is clearly someone's actual living room um, (laughs) where they murder her mom in a weird scene, which is they're like crack Russian squad, but they just watch her reach into her purse and pull out a gun and shoot one of them. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess we're going to just let her get one off, but then they murder her whole family and throw grenades everywhere. It's, um, yeah, really, really stirring. Um, just feels like it was made up every single day. But I, I would have to say, um, in terms of like dreamlike logic and you know, kind of that disconnect, this doesn't have any of that. It's just confusing. It's there's nothing yeah. to like move through that would you couldn't get caught up in this film. It absolutely repels your attention. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like this is. I, I don't. I can't recall ever seeing a film that felt more like actively sabotaged in this one uh it's something and, and as a common refrain on, on the optimism vaccine podcast i i just like to say uh you know release the eames demetrios cut mm-hmm gotta see it i mean i i agree with you guys this i i think it's fun if you want to see something real fucking weird um it's it's not like a lot even by the standard of low budget 80s action film uh, probably, you know, shoveled out direct to video and no one watched it. Even by that standard, it's it's weird and bad in very unique ways. So I, I would recommend it. If this sounds like your brand of like mind fuck trash, go for it. Uh, but the, the most important part here is we're watching these movies because we're here today to uh, teach Jack a couple lessons about being a goddamn American. And Jack, what I want you to take away from this is here in America... The pinnacle of making love to a woman is blowing a raspberry on her chest in a bathroom. Okay? Definitely wrote some notes on that one. Gonna gonna try that one yeah. out down the line. And you also gotta Good. talk about the size of your dick. Like, it's... You, and that's not even limited to Mojo. It's every male character who's going to have sex with someone in this movie is just like, Oh, my dick is ten feet long! Ah! I, I, feel, I feel like it... I, I, maybe I imagined this. I feel like at one point one of them refers to their penis as a cold war. 
And I, <laughs> and I don't know if I made that up what or if that that's mean? real. I don't know. I, Cameron, I have to watch this movie oh, again to find out if that even cause happened. Because it's, it's real long and it's just waiting to turn into something hot. <laughs> it's just protracted and, and awful. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well. Released just a couple of years later. Actually, no, released the same year. A different brand of direct-to-video action cheap cinema. Uh, we watched a little movie called Action USA. And I am so happy we get to talk about this because uh, it was recently released in the last year or so by Vinegar Syndrome on their VSA label, which I believe it's still available if you, if you don't own it. It's out of print now, and it's moved to MVD Rewind. I think oh, they've re-released okay. it, so it is in print okay. from them now. It is okay. So MVD's got it now. Y y you won't get the cool box like with Vinegar Syndrome, but you know, you get over it. Uh, get the MVD version if if you can. Just get it. It's it's fucking worth it. And this is one of those movies where I have a list that has gotten progressively shorter and shorter of things that I really like that have not been released on on disc or have been long out of print. And this was very high on that list. And not only had it not been released on Blu-ray, it was never released on DVD. This came out in 1989 on VHS. It was made specifically because they had a buyer in Japan who wanted an American action film, hence Action USA. <laughs> and it barely came out in the United States, which is a shame because... Even though there's there's not a lot of stars here, and by not a lot of stars, I mean literally no one you've ever heard of. What are you talking um, about, Cameron Mitchell? Uh, <laughs> well, it does have it's got Smith's dad from from okay. It's Always Sunny, and and it's also got, well, yeah William Smith who well William Smith William Smith is only in the movie. He's just in it long enough to go. <laughs> well, Cameron Mitchell's that, in it for William Smith. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's just there to take a bath with the ladies. I, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, it, funny thing about that, too, I watched this movie with the commentary on because I've seen it like a million times, but um, old Cameron, uh, he, he got the film crew in hot water because they used some, some local co-eds from the college in Waco, um, and uh, turns out they, they, they're... Uh, they got in trouble with their sorority because they should not have been in that bathtub with Cameron. Uh, so, sorry, ladies. They don't even got show anything, out. do they? Just have they have tastefully apportioned bubbles. I mean, it yeah. yeah. seems fine. I, I think I think it was more about like how he looked. He just has a natural sleaze to him. <laughs> Anyways, this movie it, it was it was not released on you know disc for the longest time, and it's one of those that I've been telling people about. Sean, when he was in town, God, it must have been like three years ago or something. I was like, we got to fucking watch this. It's fucking great. Even Sean likes it. And I think sometimes I think he has a, uh, a slightly lower tolerance for these types of things than we do. <laughs> so I'm not blowing smoke up any of your asses. This is legit great. And it's called Action USA. And that's pretty much all it delivers on. Imagine, if you will, a film directed by a guy named Jon Stewart, but not that one. Uh, he's a former stunt guy. He fucks up his leg. He can't be a stunt guy anymore. So he decides to direct, but instead of hiring stars, he goes to Waco, Texas, where you don't need a permit to do crazy shit and, uh, gets all of his stunt buddies to come and act in a movie where basically it's just one stunt strung together to another stunt, to another stunt, to another stunt. And it's cool as hell. That's it. That's yeah, the movie. Yeah, this, this movie, yeah, like to, to explain, this movie opens with 
a car chase followed by literally they transfer from a car to a helicopter and they just hang a guy out of a helicopter and it is shot to make you fully understand that they hung a guy out of a helicopter uh, by his ankle just like head down and just flew around over the city um it's genuinely kind of scary to look at it it's like that's that's not something you see every day or certainly if you do see it you see it in like a james bond movie which you know had like a hundred times the budget of this film and and yeah Mm -hmm. it just it just continues in that vein it's just cars smashing there is an explosion in this film that is surprisingly large i mean i was watching going that is huge and again i don't think there's any special effects involved to make it look bigger i think they just deployed more explosives (laughs) than most films would deploy Uh, it's Uh, something that i don't even immediately know which explosion (laughs) yeah there are many big explosions i think it's at the gas station i don't you know i'm propane tank yeah 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 it's well there's one where a guy runs through a propane train and then just drives through someone's house uh, that, and that's just like an aside that they just did that. That wasn't that's even like, that's nothing. <laughs> that, that's a mysterious stunt. <laughs> it's mm. very And the guy and just leans out and says, sorry about your house, and drives off. And then in, it just explodes <laughs> into a giant fireball for reasons <laughs> So that scene is actually a great uh, summation of what makes this movie so special. So the, the filmmakers, they went down to Waco, and they knew they wanted to shoot in Texas uh, because they knew they wouldn't need permits for anything. And so they chose a city that had the look and the feel of a real city, but small enough, you know, Waco, not huge. So um, basically Waco gave them whatever they wanted and more. They never needed any permits. Uh, the, the helicopter scene uh, when they were like flying around downtown, like normally you would need to get like air traffic control and all this other shit. And you have to shut down the whole city. And the mayor said, you know what? If you put me and my daughter in the movie as extras, you can do that whole scene and you don't have to get anything. Like, okay. it, and, that, and that helicopter flight like low over the city too. Like, like there's shots where there's the Very car low. chasing the helicopter and they're both in the same shot together. Like this mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. Man, not getting permits well, and, and for that. that house, Just, right. The house that, that, that they drove through. Okay. Circling back to that one. Uh, The reason that they did that scene, that was not in the original script. So the reason they did it is because, you know, this is like an 18 day shoot. So super quick. And about halfway through the shoot, someone came up to them and was just like, hi, I'm so and so from the city. Uh, Just so you know, we have this abandoned house. Do you guys want to like do something with it? You could destroy it if you want. And then they were like, (laughs) "Okay." So then the guy driving the car through the house is actually the director. That's John Stewart <laughs> just driving through the fucking house. Uh, but that's that's again, it's the whole movie, like everything, even, um, you know, in the beginning, there's in the opening scene, there's this ridiculous car that this guy is driving. Uh, like it's got a, a license plate. This is like Mr. Cool Pussy Wagon or something. It's got the engine protruding from the uh, the front of the car. It looks absurd. Yeah, it's an old stingray that someone really fucking massacred. Yeah, yeah. So that car is because when they were like location scouting the week before, they just saw that guy at a gas station in Waco and were like, hey, can we use your car for this movie? And he was just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so that again, it's just it, it's like the, the city of Waco is such an integral part 
of this film and and because they just don't give a fuck um they got whatever they wanted and you could never make this movie again and i'm shocked that it was even made when it was made it is absolutely one of a kind which is funny because apparently uh, and i don't know the veracity of this but but apparently uh, per the imdb the film I don't know how much you say it barely got a release in the US, but apparently it didn't do well in Texas because there's one scene where one of the guys says, great, another day in Texas, because the two cops at the center of this film, we barely discussed the plot because it's mostly irrelevant, but they, they are not pleased to be in Texas because one of them is black, is is the, uh, the, the inference in that scene. But um, yeah, it's a shame because it is, it's like a really great example of regional filmmaking. Like you say, it really it's it's built up crowdsourced kind of built up around little weird details mostly just stitched together as an excuse to throw people through or onto things or blow stuff up um it's you know it's it's just such a shame that this this took this long to get its audience and i suppose it's nice that like now all of a sudden it's getting more and more attention Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's genuinely great stuff and and the other thing is too is a lot of these movies, these direct-to-video action flicks, there's a bunch of them. I love them. Uh, but there, there aren't many that you can say actually look good. Okay, so in addition to the stunts being ridiculous, this movie looks fantastic for what it is. It, uh, it's lit well. Um, it, it's they, The way that they shoot the action is perfect. There's none of that, like, you know, quick cut, speed up nonsense that you get in a lot of contemporary action films. They make sure they're like, you know what? We're setting up these stunts. We're stunt guys. We're going to give you as much of them as humanly possible. And it it just it makes it fantastic. So, yeah, there, there's yeah. A, an obvious emphasis. Like, I mean, the the plot, which essentially is about a woman who becomes their, the these FBI's best lead on a, a diamond smuggling operation or some some jewel heist. And they're looking to recover the jewels. But um, that's really just an excuse to to have all these stunts and all of the conversation elements. Like it is, it's really well shot. But most of the conversations are like a couple of people sitting in a room or in a bar or a restaurant, like in a location. They keep everything very simple when people are talking to each other. There's no fanciness there. They don't need it, and they clearly no. worked out all the stunt stuff. That was that's what it's all about and yeah it it really is just a really satisfying array of just good old-fashioned you know just smash stuff up the stuff that we lose nowadays you know i mean this is a great um great antidote to your you know marvel mcu people flying around in green screens nonsense this is like a hundred percent just picking up action figures and smashing them together and then setting them on fire yeah which is why it's the best movie ever made, I think. It, it is it is really like the the John Wick of like DTV action movies. Pretty much. Um yeah, it's it's wild too cuz you know, Jack, you mentioned that like they they made sure that all the dialogue scenes were just two people sitting in a room so they could just basically get through it and go to the next thing. And the way that they they wrote the movie specifically that way uh because they knew they wouldn't have that much time to shoot it. So they wanted to make sure that the stunts were like 90% of what they were doing. And every single dialogue scene in Action USA was one or two takes, which is crazy because they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything more than that. It was like, we got the camera set up. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get to the next you know explosion. And it's surprising only because there's 
there's not a lot of like goofy moments with the acting or anything. Like all the actors are pretty competent. There's a there's a couple of good bit parts. We mentioned like William Smith and stuff like that. Uh, but but just the the regular actors, the 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 two main male leads and the, and the female lead, they're all good. They're just good. They're fine. They're not distracting, uh, which is it's great. It makes it even better. So good on them. Yeah, particularly there's there's fun with Barry Murphy who plays the female lead. I mean she she it's not like a substantial role. It's not like there's a lot of layers to it, but she's kind of really fun because the whole movie is mm-hmm. like she seems like the audience surrogate in that like she's on a fun fair ride and she's just really into yeah. it and it's kind of like it doesn't make sense with the character but yeah she's great and another great thing about her uh, can you tell i watched the commentary track uh she wasn't supposed to be the lead actress they they <laughs> had a different woman and and the woman who ended up playing the lead she was cast in some bit part like just background basically and then the lead actress that they initially cast quit after the first day. They shot one scene with her and she quit. So they're like, fuck. And then they went to her and were like, okay, so we need an actress and you're here. So you just want to be the lead actress? She's like, yeah, sure. I'd so say that was a win. <laughs> Perfect. <That's... laughs> yeah. So it worked out great. It worked out great. Um, what, do you, what do you learn that makes you a better American from this movie, Jack? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you. Okay, good, great. All uh, ears. <laughs> Fart noises on that, boobs. Uh, what next? When you go to Texas, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Okay? You want to fly a helicopter around a city without permits? Go ahead. You want to blow up a house? Go ahead. You want to not invest in your infrastructure and then your power grid goes off <laughs> in the middle of like a horrific uh, weather event? That's fine. You do it. Because it's Texas. It's true. There must be so so many more abandoned houses in Texas they could drive cars through now. Oh, yeah. So many. (laughs) If only they made a sequel. It'd be great. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we decided, you know, uh, Danger USA, no one's heard of it. Action USA, probably not enough people have heard of it. But there's one movie that everyone has heard of. Invasion USA, starring Chuck Norris. Uh, why have you heard of this movie? Because it's like the best-selling home video of all time behind uh, Gone with the Wind. So y- your dad probably rented it or you rented it. Or like me, you saw it a million times uh, Saturday afternoons on TV because it was always on. It was either Invasion USA or Cyborg every Saturday when I was like five. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's odd to me because you, you talk about a movie that uses action set pieces to kind of cover up the lack of a plot that anyone gives a shit about. Uh, Invasion USA is that movie, but somehow Invasion USA is significantly worse at doing that than Action USA. So what is going on in this movie, Jack? So yeah, Invasion USA is, uh, if we had to sum it up, I think it's actually genuinely agitprop. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a movie about how America's liberties make it soft and vulnerable to, to communists, um, mm. which is an incredible message. And then it, it's essentially kind of like the Battle of Algiers, sort of. Uh, it's it's <laughs> about a, a, a ragtag group of, of Russian and I guess East German uh, militants 
who now they never quite explain how they do this, but they all just arrive by boat to America one day. That, yeah. that, they, some Asians they, too. Yeah, they kind of just <laughs> gloss over that part, but they all get to America. And then once they're in America, they're able to travel freely around America and they start doing like little guerrilla warfare terrorist attacks so that they start to basically subvert American democracy and erode social norms and America starts falling apart. And that's basically, that's the message of the film is that that um, this could happen. And in real life, you know, we need people like Chuck Norris and his little Uzi bra to kind of like help restore freedom. And that's what this movie is, is that, that Chuck Norris shows up with just two Uzis in a pickup truck and pretty much uh, somehow takes takes down this entire rebellion. It's a very strange film, though, because it... Um, because essentially, it's actually quite a complicated plot when you think about it, right? The idea of, you know, staging small, uh, violent insurrections to lead to a larger domino effect of toppling the government and leading to mass social instability. Um, that's kind of difficult to convey in a film. And so what this film does to do that is it just doesn't do it at all. There's no attempt <laughs> whatsoever to make any of that work. It's just a series of terrorists showing up places, blowing shit up and strafing people with machine gun fire. And then every so often they just like make references to like, you know, uh, the government doesn't know what to do. And that's that's it. And then Chuck Norris just shows up because even though this is supposed to be happening all over the US, Chuck Norris is just always there and he just shows up and he kicks some guy's ass and that's it. And then ultimately the only reason the plot doesn't work is because um, the lead Russian guy played by the great Richard Lynch, uh, who's who, of course Mikhail Rostov, he, he is so... Uh, just pissed off by Chuck Norris because they have a history, they have bad blood, that he just can't help ruining the entire plan to go and try and fight Chuck Norris instead, and Chuck Norris wins mm -hmm. the fight. The film is absolutely nonsensical in so many ways. Yeah. And we, we talked about how, like, Action USA had these great set pieces, action set pieces that were clearly shot and then had, you know, kind of, you know, interesting elements to them. This doesn't have any of this. It, it is clear they spent an enormous amount of money on and only on explosives. There's big explosions in this movie. There's a lot of like tanks and trucks driving around. Um, but there's no like it, it's the most generic action you've ever seen. It's just like a shot of 17 guys shooting machine guns and then a shot of an explosion and then a reverse shot of some other guys shooting machine guns and they just jumble it all together and like literally an hour of the film is just that it, it just becomes mind-numbingly boring to watch so it's it's mm -hmm. but 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 undeniably it's action there is stuff is definitely happening um it's it's an incredible <laughs> film and then on top of this what really struck me about this film is the fact that honestly chuck norris is barely in this film despite this being maybe the like text of chuck norris films he he's barely in the thing he like he, and, he, and when he is in it he doesn't connect to the main like i said he just sort of shows up he just drives in there's no there's no indication of how he knows where to be he just shows up he does some action stuff and then he disappears i think like i, I didn't count up but i think richard lynch probably actually has more screen time than chuck norris is like the main <laughs> the main bad guy um and then even in on top of that, like they didn't even give him a romantic subplot, which is weird. They have a woman, they have mm -hmm. a female reporter character. And like, that's obviously, you know, we know why she's there because there's no need for any report. Like there's no 
story element or her reporting. Her reporting doesn't change anything in this film whatsoever. Uh, they don't even use it as a way to like gloss over the, the story cracks. None of that. Uh, but she doesn't fall for Chuck Norris at all. There's no real connection. Shameful. Shameful. Yeah, no, very, it's just an exceptionally lazy film, really. It's it's quite mm-hmm. remarkable. Well, if you look at, at the IMDb trivia, and there's, there's plenty here that we're probably going to get into, including uh, the whole uh, Whoopi Goldberg element, but but one of, uh, one of the uh, tidbits here is it just says Canon completely removed all the story elements and background characters in the editing room. <laughs> so uh, that that is not surprising <laughs> information. Release the Joseph Zito cut. I want the Zito cut. I, I wouldn't mind a Zito cut because I, yeah, I feel Zito like cut. Zito is another element in all of this. Is that it seems like Norris kind of. <laughs> blackballed his ass after this movie because of his bullshit story about Whoopi Goldberg, which I can't possibly imagine is is a true story. But he he refused to work with Zito again, despite the fact that this is obviously Norris's kind of like most lasting film and it was a huge rental success. And uh, the previous collaboration with Zito was Missing in Action, which was his most successful theatrical cut. Our film. What what was the what was the Whoopi the Whoopi thing was? She was supposed to play the reporter. Chuck Norris wanted. Yeah, she's supposed to play the reporter, and Zito said, no, we're going to get this white lady. And then Chuck Norris blames Zito for the movie not being as good, I guess. Yeah, uh, I also... It's it's horse shit, because there's no way that this, like, this is even in Norris's tale after Whoopi Goldberg was cast in the color purple. Why the fuck would she take this (laughs) this bit part in a fucking canon film? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just reeling from the concept that Cannon removed all the the supporting actors <laughs> and this movie is still an hour and 50 minutes long. Yeah, like, what did wh- they leave? I don't <laughs> Well, there was also the story that like Golem called Zito in the middle of like after they'd shown some dailies or something and and Zito was like, "Ah shit, they like hatchet us." And instead, Golan was like, this is great. Here's two million more dollars, which apparently was just like used on fucking like tanks. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's what's frustrating. It's like uh, like details. It's like they have they have a scene where like, I swear to God, like they must have just got the National Guard to just show up for the day and just drive all these tanks. They have a scene where they just get a bunch of armored cars and they have just dozens of them everywhere. You know, this is not inexpensive filmmaking, and yet the interior scenes are clearly shot on places that are, like, made out of balsa wood. And they shoot the shit out of it, and every single, like, everything they hit with a bullet, there's, like, the either way it splinters, like, that cheap compound wood structure. (laughs) It's like the whole, and they don't make no attempt to disguise it. Like, the whole office building, every window and door and wall and partition is made of the exact same wood. (laughs) It's just this unbalanced kind of a setup in the film. It just clearly looks like the money was spent on, like, the quote-unquote action sequences, and then everything else looks like absolute shit. Um, Mm -hmm. Really, really bizarre film. And uh, yeah, like I say, Chuck Norris is just, even by Chuck Norris's standards, he seems out of place in the movie where nominally he's the hero. He's just sort of like, he's hanging out in the bayou, uh, or he's I not guess not the floor of the Everglades. He's, he's, just, he's supposed to be like a gator wrestler? I Nothing do. about him yeah. says gator wrangler to me. No. <laughs> It's it's the whole thing, and then and then he just kind of moves up. I like I, I feel like they talk about you know that it's sweeping the entirety of the U.S., but I'm pretty sure they they shoot in Florida and Georgia. I think those are the only two places they actually get to. Yeah, 
Well, and you, you mentioned it earlier, but it's fucking hilarious because it takes forever for the actual invasion to really start going because there's all these things where they're like, okay, they're blowing up a house. Okay, they're blowing up another house. Okay, they're bombing the mall. But it, it never feels like a cohesive, you know, it seems like uh, splinter cell terrorist acts USA. It doesn't feel like an actual full-on invasion. But then... you. You, you see you see Chuck and and it's it feels like because we're told that this is happening everywhere and they just go they just jump to these different terrorism sequences and then Chuck just drives in and stops whatever's happening and it's hilarious because it seems like he's everywhere and after they do this I don't know probably a dozen fucking times because this movie's <laughs> nine hours long then there's a scene where Chuck is at like a, a carnival that was clearly like blown up or something and one of his buddies comes up behind him and Chuck's all pissed off. And he's like, damn it. I just can't be everywhere at once. It's like, well, it seems like you were doing that just fine before. So I don't know what the fuck happened. You're doing great. This movie does an embarrassingly poor job of establishing like scope. Like it, it never feels yeah. like what it's what it's meant to. And that is no odd. It, it also does a very <laughs> interesting, unintentional thing for me where by making this invasion, this sort of like scrappy guerrilla, like subversive warfare, and it concludes by like these like fucking 40 guys being <laughs> fucking mowed down by the entirety of the U.S. military industrial complex. And I'm like, is this supposed to make me feel patriotic? Because it seems like the most barbaric fucking David and Goliath <laughs> oh. fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's the best part about this movie is, okay, so the way that it's set up, it's set up perfectly, the way the plot is laid out, and this is this is great because it's like the mid-80s, so it's just like, hey, remember when the U.S. was just fucking around in Central America, uh, you know, just toppling uh, democratically elected governments and just generally just being assholes? What if that happened to us? And you think it's going to be this subversive thing, but it's not. They just lean into it. It's fucking amazing. It's all right there. And it's like, OK, so you're going to you're going to kind of, you know, this is going to be a critique of of American foreign policy. No, no, it's not a critique at all. It's like, hell yeah, doesn't this shit rock? <laughs> That's the whole movie. It's like, no, it doesn't fucking rock. It's, dude. it's incredible because, yeah, the whole the whole movie is like it's classic like Rambo 2 uh agit prop because it pretty much just points out a whole bunch of things that are wrong in america and says russia did them and that's the, and once you're on board for that it's kind of like every social ill in america from i mean literally from minority dis you know alienation police brutality the immigrant the dangerous immigrants face all of that is 100 percent the fault of communist russia and that's and that's the film. It's basically just passing the buck on everything, and then the the great boys of the military who have done nothing up until this. Like for most of the film, there's no suggestion even there is a federal government power. Like n they can't do anything apparently. Like the the authority, like the the um the state authority in this film is represented by like one grizzled cop guy who just walks around in the aftermath of things and goes like, damn shame, we're underfunded. You know, it's like, why the hell would he be involved in this? This is not a police issue. It would never be a police issue. Um, and then, you know, nothing else happens until the very end, like the entire, like Adam says, the entire like military federal government just show up in tanks and just slaughter a bunch of guys like the Bay of Pigs, except this movie posits like the Bay of Pigs could have worked, but it would work against America. So we need to be vigilant. 
It's an insane film. It is just the laziest, just most stupid film made to like. And I guess maybe it's good because I feel like no one could take it seriously. No one would be like, no. you know, I feel like other ones like Rambo does a better job of selling like, you know, the, the only thing that was wrong with the Vietnam War was damn bureaucrats or whatever, you know, <laughs> like that kind of nonsense. Like this movie is so stupid. It couldn't even t- trigger that stuff. It's just absolutely yeah. insane. This isn't this isn't the spook who sat by the door. It's not going to radicalize anyone. <laughs> it, it's it's just very like surprising to me that it, it goes against action convention. The way that you keep the audience on America's side is by having one man, the Superman, the American, fucking knock back all these terrorists himself. You don't involve fucking seventy five tanks. At that point, America's not the underdog. <laughs> I, I don't know this movie like it starts out like it's gonna be a, an action classic uh the, the whole like intro scene where uh the russians just like impersonate the coast guard and mow down a shitload of uh like cuban immigrants uh which is odd considering these are these are allies you know uh moving past that it, it and then Norris's nonsense introduction as Gator Wrangler, I was still abused, and then he, like, shows up and fucking kills Billy Drago with, like, a fucking coke straw and shoots him in the dick or something, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be something. But, yeah, it, it really loses steam real quick once they yeah. get into the invasion, because it, it's, there's no coherence to the damn thing. No. And I don't hate it. No. I don't hate it. There's enough spectacle, I, for sure. To, yeah, like, there's get no by. spectacle. It's just... It's disappointing because it is kind of a piece of shit. It's just fun shit most of the time. <laughs> I mean, that is like the way of Zito. And that's why, like, it's kind of disappointing that he disappeared because, yeah, he made two, the two most iconic Norris films. He made the best Friday the 13th film. He made like a cult classic slasher with the Prowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like between maybe Norris, like, souring on him and, and uh, I, his last film after this, it, well, his last major film after this was uh, Dolph Lundgren vehicle in in the late '80s, which flopped, of course. Which I, I can't blame Zito for that. It's every Dolph Lundgren vehicle in the late '80s flopped. He just got saddled with a <laughs> bad horse there, and uh, seemed like yeah. it really killed his career, which is unfortunate because guy made some real classics in the '80s, even when, especially when he wasn't fucked with by the studios. <laughs> Yeah, this came out like just a year after Friday the 13th final chapter, which is, as you say, is is the best Friday the 13th movie and is kind of like mm-hmm. really settles in on the grisliness. Like really, it's it's kind of a shocking slasher. It's so intense. Um, and there's none of that in this. This is just, uh, you know, like you say, it's kind of fun, but it's just sort of also, there's only so many shots of like guys firing machine guns before you're like, okay, this is not particularly compelling anymore, particularly when none of the guys matter. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just a, an unfortunate miss. I, like, I don't know what else would have been in there. I, Considering the film is an hour and 50 minutes long and it's just all explosions and stuff, I don't know what character stuff they'd even planned. But um, it is it's the main enjoyment for this is just watching like these incredible scenes like a bunch of like happy Americans are celebrating Christmas in this insane pastoral scene of a little American subdivision where they're like a little girl is decorating a 
Christmas tree outside and there's other people, kids playing. And it's like, this is Christmas, so it, it's normally pretty freezing, but everyone's just out in the front lawn. And then parked in front of one of the houses are two teenagers making out, which you would think they would do somewhere else that isn't a busy street where people are decorating for Christmas. And then Richard Lynch just shows up with the uh, like with the John Woo bazooka that never needs to be reloaded, and literally just like in the string of like five seconds, just bazookas seven houses, uh, and that's yeah. and that's the movie. It's basically it's like, do you love Christmas? Then communists want to kill you, and that's the movie. <laughs> you know, this movie also that that whole sequence annoyed me because it was it was setting up for the fucking assault on precinct thirteen ice cream kill, like. Why do we have this whole yes. fucking sequence with the little girl coming back out to hang the star on the tree and Lynch is just standing there like pointing a bazooka at her and then he kills her, but it's like off screen. She just like re-enters her family yeah, they're home. They're cowards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see. She should be shot directly if you're going to film it this way. And she probably was in Zeno's yeah. original. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, fr <laughs> if anyone would have put that in, Zeno 100, it probably shot in the head. Like, Zeno oh, yeah. would do that. Zeno would bazooka a child's head off, and I salute him for it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the worst thing. It's not the best thing. It sh sure is something. Um, the only other part of it that really made me laugh, though, at the end of the day was I kept thinking about the, uh, it reminded me of the QAnon conspiracy, the one where they thought that there was uh, 50,000 Chinese troops that had, like, quietly um, landed in Maine and then, then dug underground tunnels and were hiding in Maine so they could invade the United States. And so QAnon thought not only did that happen, but that also the United States then dropped a bomb on top of Maine. Uh, to kill the Chinese soldiers, um, which just rocks. So, Jack, you're asking, um, what do you what what's the lesson from Invasion USA? And uh, the Invasion USA lesson is simply: uh, isn't the CIA cool? Yeah, pretty cool, but not as cool as QAnon. So there you go. <laughs> I'll get my membership in the mail to those guys ASAP. Yeah, ASAP. Get on it. Get on it. All right. Well, normally we'd wrap things up by you know, putting something over, but instead in honor of our, our great nation's birthday and, uh, you know, Jack learning a thing or two about America, he wanted to quiz two real Americans, two born and bred, bleeding red, white, and blue Americans <laughs> on our knowledge of our country. So are you going to give us like a citizenship test or this, how's this, this going to work? This is absolutely Steve. This is citizenship USA. This is gonna All test. Right, this is it. gonna test you and Adam. So we we've got we've got ten questions each lined up, and then we've got the Invasion USA rapid fire buzzer round, which I guess you can just <laughs> shout the answers for. So let's let's find out which one of you is more American. I guess I guess you should be in competition. Only one of you can be American. Only one walks away. So you know this that's what we're gonna do. So um, it's exciting. Yeah, no, I can't, can't wait. I can't wait to to have you guys. So I hope you were paying attention. All the questions are based on these movies. So I hope you were paying attention more than I was during these films. <laughs> All right, Steve, let, let's start off with you, okay? So here's okay. your first question. This is multiple choice, so bear with me. Chuck Norris is sick of A, communism, B, welfare fraud, C, frogs, or D, all of the above? Uh, the answer is D, all of the above. You are correct. He is sick of all of those things. <laughs> 
I didn't even mention it at the time, but in Invasion USA, the Russians are also responsible for the slaughter of indigenous peoples. You you may, may yeah. miss that, but that's what they do. Those rascally bastards. Uh, poor John mm-hmm. Eagle. <laughs> yeah, that trail of tears <laughs> is red for a different reason. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, we'll swap over. Adam, another Invasion USA question for you. The Russian assault of a Christmas-loving subdivision occurs at the intersection of which streets? Oh, Jesus Christ. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like someone who doesn't know an answer. <laughs> Don't blame me. Mm, mm. Uh, this is multiple choice? Yeah, no, you no, it is not. No, you, you have to. It was there. It's right up front. <laughs> Only mine's multiple <laughs> choice. <laughs> it's not multiple. Just any two streets in the world. Uh, uh, no. uh, first and Main. I would have said freedom and liberty. <laughs> Both of those would have made more sense. The actual answer, which is first and second street, they, they overlap. <laughs> That's close. You almost got a half point there, Myros. You got you got part nearly, of it right. Nearly, yeah. No, no. First and second street overlap in this one, but that that's a shame, Adam. You you made your country cry just a little. Bald eagle just crying in the background. All right, that d- sucks for you, man. <laughs> All right, Steve. After Shayna vows vengeance at her family's grave, she relaxes by reading what book? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> this is Danger USA, by the way. <laughs> Frog and Toad. I don't. No, no, no! You do not, not even close. No, it's the Satan. It is. It's it's fucking the Satan. Salman Rushdie. Oh yeah, my god! It's Salman Rushdie. Yeah, yeah, yeah Salman Rushdie. Sorry, I, I preempt oh. that. I can't give it to you. Sorry, but but you know, Damn you were it. nearly there. I knew that. I knew that. I blanked. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, fuck. I wouldn't have gotten it. Because I remember either, thinking I remember how fucking it. stupid it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She also puts it down on a Cat Stevens album, but I don't know if either of those things actually relate to the plot in any meaningful way. Seems yeah. like seems like someone decided to do that, but I don't know why. If you if you play T for the Tiller Man backwards, it, it, it's the plot of <laughs> Danger USA. That that would make sense. All right, Adam, another another Danger USA question for you. Complete the factual statement. Guns don't kill people. Blank do. Jeez, this this is. Uh, I mean, it seems like a, an obvious answer, but uh, it's not it's, right. You got to think about. Current, current, current trends. Who's responsible for everything weak in America? Uh, communists? Uh, no, not the communists. Well, close. I guess they're the same. No, uh, Steve Ratka's uh, vicious uh, oh, slogan Democrats. is "Guns don't kill people." Liberals do. Oh, liberals, liberals. Yeah, the libs, man. Damn liberals, killing people. <laughs> so you should own guns, so you can kill them instead. I guess is the message. Exactly. I feel like, uh, Steve, you're probably breaking better on this one. Uh, in Action USA, McKinnon's partner shares a nickname with a hit song by which all-American rock band? Oh, God. I, fuck. <laughs> I should know this. This is an easy one. Come uh, on. I know. I know. It, it is an easy one. Um, uh, fuck. Uh, uh, d- 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 I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, his name is Panama. It's Van Halen. Oh, Van Halen, got Van it. Halen. Sorry. Matt, we're getting a low scoring round on this one. Hopefully, listen, you guys... I'm still winning <laughs> by one point. <laughs> All right, Adam, another another uh, Action USA question for you. What is the vanity plate that introduces Action USA? Oh, <laughs> see, I should know this because I, 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 well, I said it wrong earlier, but it's yeah. Go ahead, Byros. Uh, uh, pussy man. 
No, <laughs> pussy man. <laughs> it's it's like Mr. Cool or like Cool Guy or something like that, isn't it? It, it is it is Sleek One. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the opening shot of the movie and that iconic car. I bet, and I'm willing to bet if they offer that car up, that license plate was on it too. I don't think that was made yeah. up for the movie. All right, no. well, we still, we're still, Steve, you, you maintain the lead. I don't know if you're going to get this one. Sorry. This one's tricky, but but it's it's good advice. Uh, also from Action USA, why should you take the keys with you when leaving your car? Um, because if if you don't, then someone could steal your car and run you over with it and light you on fire. There's a, there's plenty of things that could happen that, that to you. That is 100% correct. That That is the guy leaves the keys in the car, and then he's ch- chastised, by, I believe, by Drago because someone could steal it. <laughs> It's a lot advice. of bad things can happen here. It is. It's sound advice. Yep, absolutely. And in America, even, it can yeah. happen. All right, Adam, uh, we're back to Danger USA. What percentage of gang rapists can't get it up? <laughs> uh, I, 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 81%. <laughs> You're overthinking it. No, it's 75%. Oh. <laughs> oh you're so close there Myros. that was so close uh that that Damn. statistic has not been validated by uh any center of research in the united states but it's good to know okay this one <laughs> uh, makes absolutely no sense to me so steve i'm hoping you might know the answer and also explain it to me it's from danger sure. usa so you know it makes no sense how would yeah. you define lover how would I define lover? <laughs> um, well, I, I would I would define it as uh, a man who lived with me for a year and then tried to defile me on top of some C4 <laughs> and was uh, sadly killed. I, I, I can barely remember the context of this, but apparently it's blind fury. <laughs> is the response oh this is from the interaction at the beginning where they're in a moving truck for no reason and the guy shows up trying to kill her absolutely baffling dialogue i don't really blame anyone for not getting that that's uh it's tricky the more i look at it i probably i probably shouldn't have taken any questions from uh danger usa because that movie just makes no sense so anyway here's another question from danger usa for adam uh, race riots erupted at a prestigious university after a political debate engineered by Rotka. Rotka escaped alongside his candidate, who would then go on to become the president of the United States. But who else survived? And I'll give you a clue here. It's not Ooh. a specific person. It's like, think of a large group of people. If they escaped, who else would have escaped? Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> his security team. Oh. No. No, the answer is no one. Uh, these race riots, <laughs> <laughs> the race riots at this university, uh, two people escaped and apparently no one else did. This must have Everyone been a horrific, a horrific day in American history. Steve, you got another race riot. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> uh, but he would go on to become president, I guess, for probably in his, wow. his campaign. It would be pretty good to be able to talk about how he was one of only two men to escape from a university campus uh, on a given day. Mm. See, this is an easy one. So I think, you know, this this one, if you don't get, uh, I'm going to give Adam a point. All right. Un-American country known for dikes, windmills, and tulips. Oh, that would be uh, Holland. It is Holland. That's that's Action USA. <laughs> that's a key integral part of, of stuff in that movie. Working that yeah, out. That's a good one. Okay, in the spirit of the last quiz, you get a multiple choice, Adam, and in the spirit of the last question as well. So keep in mind the answer to the last question. 
uh, where are Americans safe to be decadent and soft without fear of terrorist reprisal? At A, carnivals, B, shopping malls, C, their homes, D, the seaside, E, dingy strip clubs, F, church, G, school buses, or H, nowhere. I, I'm going to have to go with H on this one. You are correct. Americans are not safe to be decadent and soft anywhere, and they need to learn that sooner rather yeah, than later. Toughen up, Buttercup. That's it. Okay, okay. We're 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 sticking with Invasion USA, Steve. Uh, if subjected okay. to too many rights, what will you beg for? Uh, if subjected to too many rights, you you'll you'll beg for an authoritarian leader to fucking tell you what to do. Adam, I'm gonna pass that one over. Do you do you know do you know the answer to this one? A wrong. Oh my god! You, this is like the iconic <laughs> line of the fucking movie. <laughs> if We're you're doing subjected, really good. To, yeah, Chuck Norris. If subjected to too many rights, you'll beg for a left. Oh, a left. <laughs> I said oh, the other opposite of right. Oh, left. Yeah, yours makes sense. <laughs> Mine was getting to, like, the spirit of the answer. The spirit, really. that's true. Yeah, but that's not really American either. America's not really even the spirit of these things. No. So, okay, well, well, let's go, let's go back to you, Adam. Um, FBI comes out to how much per letter? Which movie is this from now? <laughs> <laughs> this is from Action USA. Think about they're going in, they're going into the, the big honky-tonk place. Uh, yeah, it's one dollar, I think. You are correct. It comes out to one, there's a three dollar cover charge. They try to get in with their FBI badges. They're told that FBI comes out to one dollar per letter. That mm. is true. That's what happens. That is true. That's right. Okay, Steve, back to you. When in Texas, how should you dress? Oh, God, that's, that's the fucking line from Action USA. Um... When in Texas, oh, you, you, dress, you dress like a Texan, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you do, you dress like a Texan. That is correct. And when you dress like a Texan, you look like a complete asshole, and it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that that can happen. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I do wonder where he's from. So fashionable in, in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, Walker, Texas Ranger, man. That guy wears a trench coat. Sw switching back again, Adam. We we have another Danger USA question. Oh, this great. one's a good one, though. This <laughs> one's a good one. If you're standing in your living room, barefoot, and wearing an orange bathrobe, what were you probably doing just beforehand? This is one of the classic shot setups of this movie. I'm trying to picture it. I'm trying to picture it. Uh, Sounds like I'm just picturing you getting deported. Well, that's all right. <laughs> I, you know, I, there are better places in the world. I, you know, I, I have no fucking idea. I would say showering. Yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. But this is uh, Danger USA, so that's absolutely not mm. what happened. No, if you were in standing in your living room, barefoot, wearing an orange bathrobe, chances are what you were doing beforehand was uh, balancing a plank of wood between two patio chairs and sawing it in half. <laughs> oh, God that's damn correct. I do remember this scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what Donkey Boy it as well. Yeah, ineffectual sign. Yeah, yes, he's doing his utmost to not damage the piece of wood while he's while he's at that. Yeah, I guess for continuity. Then to return sake. it to the hardware store. That's movie. That's movie magic. All right, Steve. Going back with another uh, Danger USA question for you. 
which honestly, the more I look at him, like no one will know what this is. If you were thrown from a moving truck, how will your death be classified? <laughs> um, uh, vehicular manslaughter. Again, very good answer. Makes a lot of sense. Rug related. This is the correct uh, answer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, did she pull a rug out from under him? I don't really remember. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, because it's, it's a great little action scene because there's the one scene where she uses her cat to fuck him up and then another That's scene right. where she, she like fakes him out with another cat move and then uses the rug and then kills his ass. Powerful, powerful scene. Um, good to know. All right, Adam, you've got a chance here. If the American flag was made out of the only fabric Chuck Norris wears, what would the flag be made of? Oh, well, denim. Denim, absolutely. And it would be beautiful. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Adam's closing the gap. We're at four to three now. Mm, all right, Steve. Mm. Back to you with, sorry, another Danger USA question. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. If this were Milan, what would be the penalty for picking your nose? Uh, they chop off your finger. <laughs> yes, with an axe. Yeah. Well done. Yep. That's definitely how they work it. Okay, uh, Adam, you can't catch up in this round, but but maybe maybe you can get one more point on the board. This is from Action USA. What cuisine should you avoid in Texas? This makes the guys ill. You don't actually see them eating it, but they're in the motel room the next day and they complain about it. I give you a clue. Think of cats. Chinese. Well, no, it's it's Siamese. <laughs> <laughs> Chinese cats. Well, you, I, you see, know. he's 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 fucking un-American. He doesn't know any American <laughs> answers to any American questions, and he's racist. You ever see all the same a Siamese restaurant? All I was thinking of, honestly, I was thinking of a <laughs> racial stereotype in there that they were like using the cats as as meat in the. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, damn. That's that's actually that's fair thinking. Unfortunately, no. Uh, Siamese food in Texas should be avoided. Mm. It will apparently these FBI guys love the stuff, but they they don't want to eat it in Texas. All right, this Can't means eat it down there. This means uh, Steve's leading five to three, but we're entering our invasion USA rapid fire round. So we have six questions, Ooh. and I guess whoever wants to shout out the answer first uh, gets point. All right. I'll expect a cacophony of shouts, I'm sure. I'm, I'm betting, yeah. This has been going very well thus far. Okay, question one. Who is responsible for the deadly condi conditions faced by Cuban and other emigrants trying to flee their godforsaken countries for the blessed freedom of America? The United States. No, no, it's, it's Russia. <laughs> Russia, Adam gets it. That is 100% who is responsible for all of that. Question Damn two. <laughs> Who is responsible for the murder of America's indigenous peoples? Uh, Russia. <laughs> Russia. Adam scores again. It is even well, though... I, I said it beforehand. There's a, uh, that. Oh, come on. Oh, you, oh, you, you might have to delay? fix your damn internet, man, because it was clear uh, as a bell over here. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Adam God. got in first. All right. Question three. Steve, just, just try your best here. Police brutality in the United States is actually planned and carried out by which group? Russians. <laughs> Communists. <laughs> Adam Adam is way ahead on this one. I'm sorry. He's he's got his finger on the pulse of what's what what ails America. Okay, question four. The urban scourge of drive by shootings. 
Steve, it's still you a see? podcast. You gotta let the question exist. <laughs> it's true, Steve. I want. I'm a fucking winner. Steve, also, honestly, it's a little more complicated than that. Okay, here's okay. the full question. The urban scourge of drive-by shootings are actually caused by what group? The Russians. The Russians, and also sometimes Chuck Norris, but Adam gets that because Steve <laughs> broke the rules. <laughs> what, 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 at what point was the rule established that I can't shout out the answer before the question ends? That's called just good manners, Steve. Oh, you ever play Jeopardy? You gotta wait until the question is read before you hit your buzzer. Yeah. This, is a, this is a podcast, and it's and it's about America. There's nothing more American than rudely talking over someone on a podcast. That that is that is Fair true. Enough. Okay, but you got to rudely talk over Adam. That's those are the rules okay. we've established. Okay, we Fair. just we just got two more questions left, but Adam has established a lead right now of two points, I believe. Uh, so so Steve, you just got to get the next two in a row for a draw, and then we don't have a tiebreaker. So I guess you're just both the American. All right. Who is responsible for food shortages and supply disruptions in the land of freedom and opportunity, America? Russia. Steve gets it. <laughs> Absolutely, that's who's responsible. Okay, we got our final question here. Can Adam get it and win, or can Steve get it and draw? This is really exciting. Question six. Israel's primary contribution to world peace is generally considered to be the Uzi 9mm submachine gun. The standard variant of this peacemaker is capable of disseminating peace at how many rounds per second? Closest answer wins. Uh, 90. 90 <laughs> rounds per much. second? Okay. <laughs> no, that doesn't make yeah, any sense. No, I'm going uh, to go a lower <laughs> <four>. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with four. Okay. Four? Uh, in which case, I'm going to go five. <laughs> oh. Welcome to America, Adam. The answer is 10 rounds of freedom <laughs> per second. <laughs> Steve, I'm sorry. You're probably going to have to pack up your bag. I know you bought so, a house so both recently. 90 and 4 were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it fell somewhere in between those two numbers. So uh, yeah. you had to get in first. You gave me the tactical advantage of <laughs> boxing you out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, this this was great. I think we should probably make this a recurring bit where we we test everyone's national savvy. Uh, but but congratulations to Adam who, with eight correct answers, best Steve's uh, six. So so that's that's uh, pretty disappointing, Steve. Frankly, I think you should probably be pretty pretty embarrassed about that, especially since most of these questions were from Danger USA, which you picked. So you really should have known more about the absolutely insane script that prompted. Some of these questions. <laughs> You're right. I'm gonna have to pay more attention next time. I apologize. I, I apologize to all the patriots out there. But uh, Myros, congratulations on retaining your citizenship. Um, I, I guess I, I don't know where I'm gonna go. Yes. Why not Guatemala? That sounds fun. I mean, Steve, I think we'll allow you to stay, provided you watch, uh, you know, a 24-hour marathon of Hamilton. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I choose to leave. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving. See. Just leave the house and just get going. Dude, if you if you watch Hamilton and In the Heights back to back, I think your face will just permanently twist into that little like lip bite thing Lin Manuel Miranda does. You never shake it off. <laughs> I can't. I'm not risking that. Fuck no. I'm leaving. But as I leave, I want you to play me off, okay, Myros? But let me let me do the plugs first. Description of the podcast. Give us money on Patreon. You get a free movie. I'll mail you. I literally, I'm literally going to mail you a movie in, in the mail. Like I'm going to put it in an envelope and send it to you. Uh, if you give us money on Patreon, plus you get, you know, all kinds of uh, great shows, stuff you can't get anywhere else. 
Also, rate us, review us on iTunes. Give us a written review. It helps with the algorithm. If you need to tweet at us, at Optimism Vaccine is where you do that, or email optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Myros, I want you to play me off with the Dennis Madalone uh, America song. Just put it into fucking YouTube. It's like a stunt man, and, and, he, and he almost died, and then he became a, a pop star, but he didn't. He just made this one song. I want Dennis Madalone. I want it to play me off, and it's going to be beautiful. Okay, that's good. Is this meant to be part of the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> we, haven't de- we haven't determined this. 